I know vaccination requirements are unpopular for many, not even popular for those who are anxious to get them. My administration has put them in place not to control your life, but to save your life and the lives of others. Impeach! Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX. Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. And yes, we stream coast to coast and around the globe, just like Santa Claus, except on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today on the Bradcast. Yesterday, I offered the argument that Joe Manchin, in announcing that he was a no on Joe Biden's transformative Build Back Better bill, killing for now hopes of Democrats being able to pass the most progressive health care, education, climate change agenda in decades, if not ever. Um, that Joe Manchin was not doing it for his constituents. He does not care about inflation, as he pretends, because experts say that the bill will actually help ease inflation. He doesn't care about the economy because Wall Street forecasters have now downgraded the U.S. economy outlook for 2022 based on Manchin's decision to break his word to the president and uh, and to the, his party and to vote against the bill. He certainly does not care about poverty in his state, one of the poorest in the union, given that the bill actually cuts child poverty nearly in half with its child tax credits to parents with uh, kids 17 years of age and younger. What Joe Manchin cares about is himself and his family's coal brokerage business which has and continues um, to earn him and his families, his family, uh, millions of dollars as spent on things like Joe Manchin's luxury yacht, his Maserati, etc. And to underscore that, he does not even care about the one thing that he has pretended over the years to care about the most while serving as West Virginia's governor and now their senator, coal miners. How do we know this? Well, because apparently 
Desi Doyen, he's not even listening to the largest coal miners union in the nation. <laughs> of course he's not. He doesn't represent coal miners. He represents coal companies. Correct. Uh, you know, he spent years nonetheless buddying up with uh, with this union. Now, apparently, even they are turning on him for what he is doing and killing a bill that would have saved the futures of many of those coal miners who are, with or without this bill, going to be losing or already have lost their jobs in the dying coal industry. Uh, The uh, main union representing U.S. coal miners, according to Reuters, urged West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin to reconsider his opposition to the Biden administration's $1.75 trillion climate and social spending bill to preserve measures that would have benefited its members. United Mine Workers of America International President Cecil Roberts, a longtime ally of Manchin, said the sweeping bill contained important measures like an extension of funding to aid victims of black lung disease, tax incentives to urge manufacturers to build new factories and employ ex-miners and to protect union workers. On Monday, Roberts said, quote, For those and other reasons, we are disappointed that the bill will not pass. We urge Senator Manchin to revisit his opposition to this legislation and work with colleagues to pass something that will help keep coal miners working and have a meaningful impact on our members, their families and their communities. So allow me to underscore that. The head of the nation's largest coal miners union, the United Mine Workers of America, is urging the U.S. senator of one of the biggest coal states in the nation to support the bill that is slated to spend nearly $600 million combating climate change in all sorts of ways, including with direct help to miners who are sick, who have lost their jobs in a dying industry, and who need help surviving and being retrained for new, good-paying union jobs. Unless he reverses his position... Joe Manchin, and I think, by the way, I think he eventually will, uh, but of course that's based on rational thinking, which super genius Joe Manchin has never really excelled at. (laughs) True. Uh, Unless he reverses his position, he's actually voting against the coal miners who he has pretended for so many years to love. So why does Joe Manchin hate coal miners? perhaps because he loves his family's millions of dollars in annual income on the backs of those who are dying from black lungs that they received while working to help buy Joe Manchin's luxury yacht and uh, his Maserati. Uh, Reuters notes the senator has objected to elements of the bill intended to fight climate change, which are opposed by the coal and natural gas industries. That are economic drivers in his home state. That's exactly what you said, Des. The industries. Oh, yeah. Not necessarily the actual workers, the the coal miners who work in that industry. But the coal bosses. And Joe Manchin is a coal boss. His family is a coal boss. Correct. He founded the private coal brokerage Enter Systems back in 1988. And he still owns, of course, a big stake in the company. Uh, bringing in for for himself more than half a million dollars annually. His son currently runs the company. I'm sure Joe has nothing to do with it. His his son runs the company and undoubtedly earns uh, even more uh, each year from it. 
Listener Pam H. following yesterday's show when we discussed Manchin's stunning reversal and broken promise to support the bill uh, wrote to me via bradcast at bradblog.com after the program to say, Dear Brad, screaming at you. As previously mentioned, that excrement mansion is not, I repeat, is not a Democrat, but a Republican placed in the party to stymie progress. Thanks for providing an outlet. Yours sincerely, Pam. Well, thank you, Pam. Uh, I hope you feel better. I really do. But here's the news. Joe Manchin is a Democrat. He may be a corrupt Democrat, which might make him far better suited for the Republican Party, but he is a Democrat, albeit one who was elected as a Democratic U.S. senator from a state that voted for Donald Trump in 2020 by almost 40 points, 69 to 30 percent. A state which also, by the way, elected a Democratic governor who, the day after he was elected a few years ago, actually changed his party affiliation to Republican the next day after the election. So, yeah, Joe Manchin is going to act like a Republican from time to time. And I'm not defending him here. I'm just trying to point out reality. Without Joe Manchin, the American Rescue Plan, Joe Biden's uh, emergency COVID initiative, that was passed just after he took office, the one that sent $1,400 checks to almost every American, the bill that expanded the child tax credit in the first place to send $300 uh, checks to parents for each of their young children, and that helped hundreds of millions of Americans to finally get vaccinated. That was passed without a single Republican vote. It took all 50 U.S. senators who caucus with Democrats to pass that critical bill at a critical time. And Joe Manchin was one of the senators who voted in favor of it, as all Republicans voted against it. So his caucusing uh, with the Democrats in the Senate means that Joe Biden has been able to seat a, uh, a record for a first year president, a record 40 new judges on the federal judiciary. So, again, I'm not defending Joe Manchin. What I'm defending here is reality by way of hopefully helping folks to understand that you don't go to Congress with the Democrats you want, but with the Democrats that you have, with the Democrats that you voted into office. And frankly, uh, for a full month after Joe Biden was elected in November of 2020, pretty much nobody even dreamed that Democrats would win a majority in the U.S. Senate when ultimately not one but two Democrats were elected in January, January 5th of this year, the day before the insurrection, January 5th, the runoff in Georgia. That is what gave Democrats the slimmest possible majority of 50 votes to get any of this stuff done. So don't like it? I don't blame you. Elect more Democrats. Make Joe Manchin irrelevant, if possible. Sounds great to me. Uh, in any event, very quickly, uh, we have some uh, better idea today of what led this corrupt, thin-skinned, self-serving Democratic senator from West Virginia to break his promise to support the Build Back Better bill. Uh, Steve Clemens, a longtime uh, political and foreign affairs reporter who is apparently very close to uh, Joe Manchin, reported last night that uh, the two Joes, Joe and Joe, were getting along very well. They were working things out. They were buddies who understood each other. Who better for a senator from West Virginia 
which is 49th place in the nation on per capita income. Who better to commiserate with than a president who started his campaign as Scranton Joe? But then, according to uh, Clemens' sources, who maybe Manchin himself, the president and uh, Manchin, they had a, a good discussion on December 14th. They agreed that they weren't going to be on the same page on the legislation before Christmas. They suggested, Biden suggested, they put things off. Uh, until the new year to try to help Manchin become comfortable with this. Uh, Biden even said he would uh, he knew that the bill had grown when it was passed in the House and that by about half a trillion dollars, he would help knock it back down to one point seven five trillion. Everything was moving forward uh, slowly, but moving forward um, as as far as, you know, trying to align the White House and Senate Senate Democrats with both Manchin and Senator Kirsten Cinema of Arizona, the other corrupt holdout. So Joe and Joe were both pulling in the same direction. Both sides were congenial. Both agreed not to trash each other. And the White House would refrain from finger pointing, etc. But then bang, says Clemens, the White House released a statement blaming Manchin for the delay. Uh, tried to strike a positive tone about the future, but it targeted Manchin specifically and alone. And targeting, I think, is an overstatement here. They mentioned Joe Manchin's name. The statement from Biden said Senator Manchin has reiterated his support for Build Back Better funding at the level of the flame framework plan I announced in September. I believe that we will bridge our differences and advance the Build Back Better plan, even in the face of fierce Republican opposition. That was it. That apparently was the great crime that supposedly lost Joe Manchin's vote on Build Back Better. The fact that he mentioned him by name, not him and uh, uh, Kirsten Cinema, but mentioned him. And this was so terrible to the thin skinned senator from uh, West Virginia that uh, he, he called the whole thing off. Good Lord, save us from thin-skinned idiots like Joe Manchin. Yep. So in any event, uh, you know, the answer here is, uh, and by the way, I think we will uh, see this come around after the first of the year, I think. Maybe I'm just being hope wishful thinking here. Um, but, you know, the question is now, you know, what do you do with the the majority that you have in Congress, not the majority that you want. Well, you try to improve this madness in the future. And I know that that is not very satisfying, um, you know, but with with the uh, power-hungry authoritarian Republican Party waiting in the wings to be unleashed right now, I think that's our only uh, possibility. Beyond that, um, well, that'll undoubtedly be a part of the conversation in the days and weeks and months moving forward into the new year. And as a matter of fact, in the minutes ahead, because I, our friend Mr. Manchin gets a note or two in Desi's upcoming Green <laughs> News report. Yes, he does. Uh, for now, in any event, let's take a quick break and we will be back with our latest COVID scold news uh, preempting, yes, some other stuff today. But, well, you know, why should today be unlike any other day over the past several years. Joe Biden's afternoon address to the nation on COVID, Omicron, and what the federal government is planning to do about all of it as many are about to travel over the holidays as the Omicron variant in pretty much just one week has jumped from about 3% of cases to 73% nationwide, largely pushing out Delta entirely in just one week.
Just to give you an idea how infectious Omicron is, that fun story and evidence of the cowardly loser Donald Trump's cowardice and loserness is all straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Desi. The Bradcast and the Green News Report survive thanks to you and your support. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today to help us stay independent every day over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. I'll be home Well, not all of us will be home for Christmas. Nope. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. That's sort of a haunting version, somehow appropriate for this particular Christmas, Desiree. Yep. Uh, Many, of course, are adjusting their Christmas plans, uh, travel plans this year yet again, and not for bad reasons. Uh, You know, I I had... um, A somewhat satisfying Trump accountability segment that I had hoped to share with you in this block, but that sort of just like Trump accountability itself needs to be delayed for (laughs) a bit. Thanks in this case to covid again. By the way, even if Joe Manchin had um, not turncoated on the Build Back Better bill, it's not all that clear the Democrats would have been able to hold a vote at all and pass it this week. Even if Manchin and Cinema had come to an agreement with the rest of the caucus, because Elizabeth Warren and Cory Booker are both now out with what they describe as a mild case of COVID. So they would not have been able to vote on the floor this week. And I don't know if remote voting is even allowed in the U.S. Senate, which means Democrats likely would not have been able to get all 50 votes that they would need to pass Build Back Better anyway this week. So thanks again, COVID. In any event, uh, with the Omicron variant going literally almost overnight from about 3% of the cases in this country to an astounding 73% of all of the cases, all but squeezing out Delta entirely in just about one week's time due to the extraordinary transmissibility, uh, the infectiousness of Omicron, Uh, Josh Marshall of TPM, who we've been turning to of late for his smart and succinct to the point analysis and and summaries of the latest expert discussion and analysis on all, all things COVID. Josh writes last night, these numbers almost beggar belief, but here they are. According to a Monday CDC report, 73 percent of COVID infections in the U.S. are now Omicron, specifically That was the percentage for the week ending December 18. In other words, that was several days ago. It could be higher than 73 at this point. He notes that it almost beggars belief, even though we've seen comparable trajectories in the UK and Denmark, for example. This is what exponential growth looks like. He says, but it's still a staggering rate of spread. It's already dominant in most regions in the U.S. It seems almost certain that Delta will be close to extinguished in the U.S. by the end of the month. 
The more reassuring news is that we now have a growing body of evidence that this wave produces significantly less mortality and hospitalization, and here's the important part, as a percentage of cases than previous waves, whether that's because the variant is less lethal or because it's spreading so rapidly through a population where the overwhelming majority of people have some level of immunity. That is not clear. But it is also true that in uh, at least in South Africa, that Omicron appears to have peaked after roughly four weeks. That's about half as long as previous outbreaks have have gone on. So those he notes are both encouraging signs, but even with decreased severity, the sheer scale of this wave will still land tens of thousands in hospitals and kill a lot of people. So at a population level, it's still a big deal, even if the threat to people individually, to you alone, especially if you're vaccinated and boosted, is much less than previous variants. Yes. So a small percentage of a very, very large number is itself a very large number. Correct. We should remember, he notes, that for all of the encouraging data about severity, this strain will was only identified about six weeks ago. So we should be skeptical of anyone who claims a high level of confidence about predictions for the future. In other words, anything could happen. So what now? Well, largely the same thing as before. Get vaccinated, get boosted, wear masks in public places, indoors, social distance where possible. Even Donald Trump has now admitted that, yes, he got boosted. Again, as uh, when he got his first two shots, the uh, cowardly loser did it in secret. Trump was talking with Bill O'Reilly in front of a Dallas audience where they've been on on a tour together around the country, bilking people out of their money to hear them BS together uh, and reportedly leaving a lot of empty seats in the venues that they're using. Uh, undoubtedly, however, more super spreader events are going on thanks to Donald Trump and Bill O'Reilly right now around the country. In any event, here's what it sounded like this week. I believe this was Sunday night when O'Reilly said that both he and Trump had been vaccinated and asked he then asked Trump if he had gotten the booster. Now, it's hard to hear the boos from the crowd here, but Trump helps us when he points them out by trying to shut them down. Both the president and I are vaxxed, and uh, did you get the booster? Yes. I got it, too. Okay, so... Um, oh, don't, 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 no, no. That's all. There's a very tiny group over there. Yeah, so don't, don't boo don't, him. Don't boo. Yeah. Uh, of course, he admits he got a booster after previously saying that he didn't plan to get one, by the way, back in September, saying that the vaccine, well, that was one thing, but a booster is just a money-grabbing conspiracy. And if anyone knows money-grabbing conspiracies, anyway, uh, hopefully at least a few of his supporters heard that Trump has now received three shots. Which brings us to the current president, who, unlike the previous cowardly failed loser one, uh, who should be held accountable for helping to kill hundreds of thousands of American people for his own political benefit, the current president is actually trying to save American lives. Go figure. 
Now, to be honest, I, I don't really know why he does not do these speeches to the nation in prime time in the middle of a once in a century, hopefully once in a century pandemic. But Joe Biden addressed the nation on Tuesday afternoon regarding the newly invigorated covid crisis, thanks to Omicron. Um, we'll let him, I guess, be the COVID vaccine scold today, Desi Doyen. <laughs> You're off the hook, so am I. The president discussed plans to spend more than a billion dollars on COVID test kits, including 500 million free home test kits for Americans. He discussed his instructions to the Pentagon to be prepared to deploy more than a thousand National Guard troops to help hospitals handle the infection and testing surge that is happening right now but is about to get much worse. He discussed activating FEMA to deploy additional hospital beds around the country where hospitals are already being overrun. All of this paid for by the federal government and for FEMA to have ambulances on standby now to help transport patients from one overrun hospital to another where a bed may be available. And yes, he pushed back at the peddlers of vaccine disinformation who themselves are responsible for killing hundreds of thousands of Americans. And yes, Joe Biden urged every American to get their shots and their boosters. Here is the president at the White House on Tuesday afternoon. I promised when I got elected, I'd always give it to you straight from the shoulder. The good, the bad, the truth. So uh, as we head into Christmas weekend, I want to answer your questions about the rising number of COVID cases, COVID-19 cases. And I want to start by acknowledging how tired, worried, and frustrated I know you are. I know how you're feeling. For many of you, this will be the first or even the second Christmas where you look across the table, be an empty kitchen chair there. Tens of millions have gotten sick. We've all experienced upheaval in our lives. But while COVID has been a tough adversary, we've shown that we're tougher. Tougher because we have the power of science and vaccines that prevent illness and save lives. And tougher because of our resolve. So that, let me answer some questions that lay uh, out the steps the Vice President and I are taking to prepare for the rising number of cases experts tell us we can expect in the weeks ahead. First, how concerned should you be about Omicron, which is now the dominant variant in this country and it happened so quickly? The answer is straightforward. If you're not fully vaccinated, you have good reason to be concerned. You're at a high risk of getting sick. And if you get sick, you're likely to spread it to others, including friends and family. <clears throat> the unvaccinated have a significantly higher risk of ending up in a hospital <clears throat> or even dying. Almost everyone who has died from COVID-19 in the past many months has been unvaccinated. Unvaccinated. But if you're, on, if you're among the majority of Americans who are fully vaccinated, and especially if you've gotten the booster shot, that third shot, you're much, you have much, much less reason to worry. You have a high degree of protection against severe illness. But because Omicron spreads so easily, we'll see some fully vaccinated people get COVID potentially in large numbers. There'll be positive cases in every office, even here in the White House, among the, among the vaccinated, among the vaccinated from, from Omicron. But these cases are highly unlikely to lead to serious illness. Vaccinated people who get COVID may get ill, but they're protected from severe illness and death. 
That's why you should still remain vigilant. <clears throat> According to our doctors, even if you're fully vaccinated, you should wear a mask when indoors and in public settings. Wearing a mask provides extra protection for you and those around you. And I know some Americans are wondering if you can safely celebrate the holidays with your family and friends. The answer is yes, you can. If you and those you celebrate with are vaccinated, particularly if you've gotten your booster shot, if you are vaccinated and follow the precautions that we all know well, you should feel comfortable celebrating Christmas and the holidays as you planned it. You know, you've done the right thing. You can enjoy the holiday season. And thanks to the progress on vaccinations this fall, we've gone from nearly 90 million adults in July who had not even started their vaccination process to fewer than 40 million today. <clears throat> Still too many, but down from 90 to 40. All these people who have not been vaccinated, you have an obligation to yourselves, to your families, and quite frankly, I know I get criticized for this, to your country. Get vaccinated now. It's free. It's convenient. I promise you, it saves lives. And I honest to God believe it's your patriotic duty. Another question folks are asking is, what can you do to make yourself and your family feel safer and be safer? The answer is simple. Get your booster shot. Wear a mask. Our doctors have made it clear, booster shots provide the strongest of protections. Unfortunately, we still have tens of millions of people who are eligible for the booster shot but have not yet gotten it. They've gotten the first two shots, but they've not gotten the booster. Folks, the booster shots are free and widely available. Over 60 million Americans, including 62% of eligible seniors, our most vulnerable group, have gotten their booster shots. I got my booster shot as soon as they were available. And just the other day, former President Trump announced he had gotten his booster shot. It may be one of the few things he and I agree on. People with booster shots are highly protected. Join them. Join us. It's been six months or more since my second shot. If it's been six months or more for your second shot when I got my booster, you can get yours today. If you've been six months or more since your second shot. Another question that folks are asking is, are we going back to March 2020? Not this last March 2021, but March 2020, when the pandemic first hit. <clears throat> That's what I keep getting asked. The answer is absolutely no. No. Here are three big differences between then and now. One, number one, the first one, more than 200 million Americans have been fully vaccinated. In March of 2020, no one was fully vaccinated. What that means is today, as cases, a case of COVID-19 for fully vaccinated and boosted person will most likely mean no symptoms or mild ones similar to the common respiratory viruses. <clears throat> Over 200 million Americans should have a peace of mind that they did not have in March of 2020. They're protected from hospitalization, and they're protected from death. Second point, we're prepared today for what's coming. In March of 2020, we were not ready. Today, we stockpiled enough, we stockpiled enough gowns, masks, and ventilators to deal with the surge of hospitalizations among the unvaccinated. Today, we're ready. 
And as I'll explain in a few minutes, we're going to be reinforcing our hospitals, helping them. Number three, we know a lot more today than we did back in March of 2020. For example, last year, we thought the only way to keep your children safe was to close, your, close our schools. Today, we know more and we have more resources to keep those schools open. We, you can get five to 11-year-olds vaccinated, a <clears throat> tool we didn't have until last month. Today, we don't have to shut down schools because of a case of COVID-19. Now, if a student tests positive, other students can take the test and stay in the classroom if they're not infected, rather than closing the whole school or having to quarantine. We can keep our K through 12 schools open. That's exactly what we should be doing. So folks, let me summarize. We should all be concerned about Omicron, but not panicked. If you're fully vaccinated, and especially if you got your booster shot, you are highly protected. And if you're unvaccinated, you're at a higher risk of getting severely ill from COVID-19, getting hospitalized, and even dying. So the best thing to do is get fully vaccinated and get your booster shot. And no, this is not March of 2020. 200 million people are fully vaccinated. We're prepared. We know more. We just have to stay focused. So that's where we stand. Now, let me tell you about the additional steps I'm ordering today to take on what is coming. I know you've heard a lot of this in the news already this morning. Three weeks ago, I laid out a COVID-19 action plan for this winter that prepared us for this moment. Today, we're making the plan even stronger. First, we're setting up our vaccination and booster efforts. We're stepping it up significantly. In the past two weeks, we've seen the highest vaccination rates since last spring. And we aren't as vaccinated as a country as we should be, though. That's why we have added 10,000 new vaccination sites on top of the 80,000 sites that are already we, had, we already had in place. And even more will open in January. I know there's some parts of this country where people are very eager to get their booster, where it's harder to get an appointment, excuse me. <clears throat> so starting this week, I'll be deploying hundreds more vaccinators and more sites to help get the booster shots in people's arms. I've ordered FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, to stand up new pop-up vaccination clinics all across the country where you can get that booster shot. We've opened, <coughs> excuse me, we've opened FEMA vaccination sites in Washington State and New Mexico recently as cases have increased. And today, I'm directing FEMA to stand up new sites in areas where there is a high demand. These steps are going to help us add more, more and more booster appointments and over the, just over the next few weeks. I also want to say a word to parents. If your children are not vaccinated, please get them vaccinated. If you're a parent, understandably, who waited to see how the first shots went with other kids before getting your own kid vaccinated, you can stop waiting. Six million children in our country, ages 5 to 11, are vaccinated. Get your children protected today, now. And for those parents out there who have a child that's too young to be vaccinated, that is under the age of five, I know this can still be a scary time. But one thing, one thing you can and must do 
while we await vaccines for children under five, get yourself fully vaccinated and boosted, as well as those around you, your children, your caregivers, your siblings. It's critical to mask up in public indoor places. We know that our youngest children have only rarely been impacted by serious COVID cases, uh, COVID-19 cases, but they can be further protected if they're surrounded by vaccinated people. And again, to folks who are not vaccinated, you may think you're putting only yourself at risk, but it's your choice. Your choice is not just a choice about you. It affects other people. You're putting other people at risk. Your loved ones, your friends, neighbors, strangers you run into. And your choice can be the difference between life or death. The longer the virus is around, the more likely variants form that may be deadlier than the ones that have come before. Let me say again and again and again and again, please get vaccinated. It's the only responsible thing to do. Those who are not vaccinated are causing hospitals to overrun, become overrun again. I just spoke to the governor of New York. Every COVID-19 hospital means someone with a heart attack, cancer, or other serious illness may not get that bed and that life-saving care they need in the hospital. Look, let me give it to you straight again. Omicron is serious, potentially deadly business for unvaccinated people. Let me be clear. Thanks to the prior administration and our scientific community, America is one of the first countries to get the vaccine. Thanks to my administration and the hard work of Americans, we led a rollout that made America among the world leaders in getting shots in arms. But uptake slowed this summer as vaccine resistance among some hardened. Look, the unvaccinated are responsible for their own choices. But those choices have been fueled by dangerous misinformation on cable TV and social media. You know, these companies and personalities are making money by peddling lies and allowing misinformation that can kill their own customers and their own supporters. It's wrong. It's immoral. I call on the purveyors of these lies and misinformation to stop it. Stop it now. One of the other things that we know that has to be done is more testing. Because Omicron spreads easily especially among the unvaccinated, it's critically important that we know who's infected. That means we need more testing. And on that score, we're now where we should be. Yes, we have over 20,000 free testing sites. Yes, we've used the Defense Production Act and spent $3 billion to greatly expand the number of at-home tests available for purchase online and at your local pharmacy. And yes, we made sure insurance covers the PCR tests you get in a hospital or at your doctor's office. But starting next month, private insurance will also cover at-home testing. So you can order a test online and get reimbursed. We're providing access to free at-home tests for those who may have insurance as well, may not have insurance, I should say, as well. But it's not enough. We have to do more. We have to do better. And we will. Starting this week, the federal government will set up emergency testing sites in areas that need additional testing capacity. Before Christmas, 
The first several of these federal testing sites will be up and running in New York City, with many more to come. This free testing is going to help reduce the waiting lines, the time you have to stand there, and sometimes it's an hour or more. We're going to continue to add federal testing sites where needed, so that if you want an immediate test, there'll be a place where you can go get it. We also need to do better with at-home testing. So I'm announcing today that federal government will purchase one half billion—that's not million, billion with a B—additional at-home rapid tests with delivery starting in January. We'll be getting these tests to Americans for free, and we'll have websites where you can get them delivered to your home. We've arranged for it to be easier for you to find a free COVID testing site near you on Google. Just enter "COVID test near me" in the Google search bar, and you can find a number of different locations nearby where you can get tested. We're going to continue to use the Defense Production Act, as we did earlier this month, to make sure we're producing as many tests and as quickly as possible. The bottom line. Is it's a lot better than it was, but we're taking even more steps to make it easier to get tested and get tested for free. Next, we are preparing hospitals for what's coming. Those 40 unvaccinated adults have a good chance of getting COVID-19, and some of you will get very sick. That'll mean hospitals are going to get extremely stressed, extremely stressed again, both in terms of equipment. As well as personnel to care for those who get sick. That's why my administration has stockpiled and prepositioned millions of gowns, gloves, masks, and ventilators. We call it PPP. We're ready to send them immediately to any state that needs more. In addition, I've directed the Pentagon to mobilize an additional 1,000 troops to be deployed to help staff local hospitals and expand capacity. That's 1,000 military doctors, nurses, and medics. We've already started moving military, <clears throat> excuse me, medical teams. They've already landed in Wisconsin, Indiana, this week. This is on top of 300 federal medical medical personnel that are now on the ground, having deployed since we learned about Omicron. Look, while we know staffing is the biggest need for hospitals, some may need more beds as well. We're prepared. I've directed FEMA to activate the National Response Center and begin deploying teams now to provide additional hospital beds. We'll begin to construct emergency capacities near hospitals, in parking garages, and nearby buildings to be ready if needed. And the federal, the federal government is paying for all of this. Period. All of it. Further, FEMA will deploy hundreds of ambulances and EMS crews so that if One hospital fills up. We can transport patients to beds elsewhere. This week, we'll send dozens of ambulances to New York and Maine because of, because the COVID is spreading very rapidly to help transport patients. Our doctors, nurses, hospital staffs have gone above and beyond during this pandemic. The strain and stress is real. I really mean it. It's real, and we'll have their backs. Though we have to let them know we have their backs. Finally, we're making sure that COVID-19 no longer closes businesses or schools. Last week, 
a federal court reinstated my administration's vaccination or test. The vaccination or test rule for businesses with more than 100 employees. The rule requires employers with 100 or more employees to protect their workers who are on site and indoors with the requirement that they be vaccinated or tested each week or go home. These rules are going to keep workers safe and keep workers safe will help keep businesses open. If people are vaccinated or tested, they're much less likely to get sick and less likely to spread it to others. Customers are more likely to come in and shop because they know it's a safe environment. I know vaccination requirements are unpopular for many, but not even popular for those who are anxious to get them. My administration has put them in place not to control your life, but to save your life and the lives of others. Where 400,000 Americans died from COVID this calendar year, and almost all were unvaccinated, almost all were preventable. The rule is legal and effective, and it's going to save thousands of American lives. We must also keep our K-12 schools open. Look, the science is clear and overwhelming. We know how to keep our kids safe from COVID-19 in school. K through 12 schools should be open. And that safety is increased if schools require all adults who work in the schools to get vaccinated and take the safety measure that the CDC is recommending, including masking. I got Congress to pass Billions of dollars in school improvements, ventilation, and social distancing. Schools should be safer than ever from COVID-19. And just Friday, the CDC issued a test-to-stay guidelines. So schools can stay open and kids can stay in class even if a classmate tests positive. COVID-19 is scary, but the science is clear. Children are safe in, are as safe in schools they are any place, assuming the appropriate precautions have been taken and they've already been funded. Let me close with this. I know you're tired. I really mean this, and I know you're frustrated. We all want this to be over, but we're still in it. And this is a critical moment. We also have more tools than we ever had before. We're ready. We'll get through this. As we head into the holidays, I want us to all keep the faith. I want to sincerely thank you for your perseverance, your courage, your countless acts of kindness, love, and sacrifice during these last two years. Throughout our history, we've been tested as a people and as a nation. Through war and turmoil, we had to ask whether we'd be safe, whether it'd be okay, whether we'd get back to who we are. We've always endured because, remember, there is no challenge too big for America. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. No challenge. We've come through better and stronger because we stay together as the United States of America. That's what we have to keep doing today. We can do this together. I guarantee you. May God bless you all. And may God protect our troops. And... Happy holidays. God love you all. Thank you. Yeah. Happy holidays. Mm. 
That was, of course, Joe Biden at the White House on Tuesday. Uh, of course, that persistent cough from Joe Biden doesn't necessarily help. No, it certainly doesn't. But uh, it's good to hear it from the president himself. Now, he notes we're prepared for what's coming. I wonder, are we? You know, he was talking about PPE, mask gowns, certain treatments, etc. I'm, I'm not sure our medical system, uh, which is profitized to serve private corporations, not the public, not to serve the people. Uh, it has no slack in it. And when it gets overrun, as is apparently happening already in many places, um, well, it, it, according to experts, it's likely to get much, much worse in the weeks ahead. So the various things he's talking about doing, deploying the National Guard, FEMA, etc., may help. I just do, you know, I don't know that we're ready for what we could be about to see. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the experts are wrong. But, well, these next few weeks uh, will tell. They could be absolutely brutal. I'm also not entirely comfortable with his advice that if your family is all vaccinated, you can go ahead with your plans as usual, yeah. as he says. I mean, does that mean even if as usual means you travel through airports and airplanes on the way to see them? Well, you know, I, I read an article on Vox where they interviewed several epidemiologists who are adjusting their travel plans now based on assessing their own family's risks. And basically they're saying, look, I, if you've got unvaccinated family members, you really need to think seriously hard about hanging out with them indoors. And, you know, that's including toddlers, inclu especially because, yeah. you know, there's one epidemiologist that they quoted who she is not going anywhere because she has two toddlers under the age of three. Mm -hmm. And she says, I'm just not willing to take Take the risk for my children. It is a tough call this year, yes. for sure, for a lot of Americans. Uh, so hopefully we want you to be as informed as you can so you make as informed a choice as possible. I have been warning, you know, that a lot of Americans are about to get sick. A lot of people listening to this show right now, uh, you know, I know for a fact are not vaccinated and, yes, are about to get sick. Some of you listening to this show uh, are about to get sick. Some of you may even die if you're not vaccinated. Please don't let it be you. Go get your shots. Green News Report is straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate today. That's bradblog.com slash donate and thanks. Okay, Desi Doyen, rough show today so far. Uh, <laughs> but the good news is only about half of the Green News Report is, <laughs> is rough today. Yep. As you'll find in our latest GNR. This is, this is a no. This is a no. Mansion's Build Back Better bombshell threatens to cancel Biden's climate agenda. Unusual deadly December super typhoon slams the Philippines. EPA issues stringent new mileage standards. Plus, U.S. offshore wind industry wins key decision. All of those wins 
and losses and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Reality star Stephanie Motto of 90 Day Fiance has gone viral in a TikTok where she claims to have earned over $90,000 selling her farts in a jar for $500 each. No, this isn't the carbon capture technology we were hoping for. No, but after Joe Manchin, it might be the carbon capture technology we get. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, never mind what you're selling in a jar for $500 a pop. What do you got for us today? Well, first, West Virginia's Democratic Senator Joe Manchin declared Sunday that he would oppose the Build Back Better Act, President Biden's historic climate and social policy legislation. Manchin and his family profit millions every year from coal investments, and economists have repeatedly countered Manchin's shifting justifications for gutting the bill, saying that the act is actually going to reduce both inflation and the national debt. Yeah. Yeah, but that first part about how much money his family makes from coal... I think that's the key. The White House, in a blistering statement, said Manchin's concerns about provisions to combat climate change are, quote, wrong. Worse, the Build Back Better Act restores funding to a program that helps coal miners in coal country dying of black lung disease in West Virginia. Yep, and I guess he doesn't care about that either. But it's not over yet, says White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. We are going to continue to uh, take steps, work like hell to get it done. If Manchin's obstruction continues, the bill won't pass the evenly divided Senate, and that would seriously hamper the task of meeting critical U.S. climate targets. Manchin's bombshell was also heard round the world and is harming U.S. credibility on the global stage right after Biden announced key 2030 climate targets at last month's U.N. climate summit. Well, it's only all of human civilization that's at stake, so why worry? And Republicans pledged to gut Biden's climate policies if they regain control of Congress in the 2022 midterm elections. Of course, it's only human civilization at stake. Meanwhile, climate destruction continues. In the Philippines, officials say more than 375 people are confirmed dead and half a million displaced Mm. after Super Typhoon Ray swept across the Philippines as a powerful Category 5 late last week, causing widespread devastation. It was the third Category Five typhoon to hit the archipelago in two years and spun up fast from zero to super typhoon intensity, giving communities little time to prepare. In the U.S., federal regulators warned Congress for the first time that climate change is, quote, an emerging threat to the U.S. financial system. Who knew? The Federal Financial Stability Oversight Council issued its first formal warning that global warming is likely to cause extensive economic damage and warned the law from more hurricanes, wildfires, and floods intensified by climate change could cause a cascade of damage across the economy, hurting property values and inflicting heavy losses on insurers, banks, and pension funds. Anyone mention that to Joe Manchin lately? But some good news. The U.S. domestic offshore wind industry cleared a key hurdle after the Biden administration issued a report finding offshore wind farms off the coast of New Jersey and New York will have no 
no significant impacts on the local environment or commercial and recreational fishing. Nice. The finding clears the way for the U.S. domestic offshore wind industry to catch up with global leader Europe. And finally, the Biden administration on Monday issued stringent new limits on car and truck emissions to clamp down on pollution and greenhouse gases that are fueling man-made climate change. The rules will phase in with the 2023 model year, and by 2026, automakers will need to reach an average of 55 miles per gallon fleet-wide. Excellent. Now, this is something that Joe Manchin can't kill, correct? Correct. But an incoming president could. True. This is a big deal, though. The transportation sector is America's single largest source of climate pollution and accounts for one-third of U.S. emissions. The EPA projects the new standards will save Americans an average of $5,000 over the life of a car or truck and will prevent nearly 100,000 premature deaths from air pollution by 2050. So there's that. Maybe we'll... Save Christmas still. (laughs) For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Thank you. Thank you very much, Desi Doy and our producer. Thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Hey, while you're there at the end of this year, uh, please consider hitting one of those donate buttons or stopping by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on your public airwaves into the new year. If at all possible, if you can stand us and if we can stand it. How's that? <laughs> uh, you can drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. That's it, I think. We will see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Hey.